Daily DVR is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, the men's accessories marketplace. Cufflinks.com aims to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each day. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. 2020, baby. It's a new year, and every month, Cufflinks has new amazing products, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Disney, all that great stuff, or the sports stuff, NCAA, NBA, NFL, or, of course, the classic wearable art, the amazing high-quality Hook and Albert Oxen Bull, and, of course, their own Cufflinks.com brand. We encourage you to elevate your look when you get dressed in the morning. It helps to make you feel more confident and create your individual style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. You can get paid for your love. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Better Call Saul. My name is Axel, and my co-host on this amazing journey is Ashea. How you doing, Ashea? Terrible. What a painful, painful episode. This is going to be hard. This is going to be hard to talk about. Yeah, the mic stuff was uh, okay, I guess. The... That was kind of cool, but yeah, the Jimmy and Kim stuff was pretty rough. Uh, Before we get to it, let me just remind everyone, you can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. You can also check out Ashay on Twitter at Not and at HistoryofWesteros.com and Patreon.com slash HistoryofWesteros. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, We opened up with what kind of knocked me out for a second i mean even after the lady says kim i was like wow we're getting a kim flashback here see i was the other way i instantly knew it was kim because it's like there's snow on the ground right like so i was like okay snow on the ground and then she's got just the iconic ponytail that i know okay yeah when i rewound because i i even just to start the show i don't normally do this but I watch it and then I rewound it just to make sure that is Kim, right? And then I saw the ponytail and, of course, the way she acts. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. She's got, like, just a very good actress, the the young actress, and also directing, you know, to be fair. But uh, just how she, like, clenches her jaw and drums her fingers and is just, like, very controlled and tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, really communicated Kim. Definitely. And this communicated so much about who she is now, too. And this episode kind of brings it all back. You know, I'm familiar with uh, adult children of alcoholics and knowing all about that and having experienced it in my life. And I can tell you that this was just perfect. And the way that they set this up psychologically and just the interaction with her mom is pretty brilliant and it builds upon that little snippet we got before when she talked about her mom and it was just it was really it was pretty gutting yes definitely definitely kim here she does exercise good judgment right she has a strong core she doesn't get in the car with her drunk mother and, you know, even though her mom's like cajoling her, trying whatever she can do to, to convince her. And then it, it's bookended, right, by that final scene of the episode with Kim and Jimmy, which is obviously on purpose to show that 
it's the same thing. She's with an addict right there. And, you know, maybe she just can't give it up herself, whether she's addicted to that. I don't know. But this time she doesn't just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. It's really something, you know, I did. It was interesting. I did a fair bit of reading um, today about this episode in particular, just to see how people reacted to this. And it was really, man, the, the, I guess the way they did it was really kind of open people's eyes. And if you look at just the way Kim is always looking to please, she, even at a young age, she acted like it had to act like an adult. Um, and like you said, she finds Jimmy to be the normal, you know, it's just like how they say, you know, like the alcoholic needs a drink to feel normal. The child of that alcoholic needs that chaos to feel normal. And yes, Jimmy yes. makes her feel that way. Um, the way she felt when she was a kid. So it was just, it was really something else. So now there was some keen eyes and I'm not sure whether it was the license plate or the name of the school, but that was Nebraska where Jean is. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Obviously she, we knew that she lived close to there, whether it was just outside of the state or just inside or whatnot. So not much of a surprise, but the fact they're showing it again, that they made sure to show that I think it's significant. Yeah, I definitely think so. And, Which yeah. still makes me feel like Kim doesn't die. I, I feel better and better about this, that it isn't death. Me too. Me too. Definitely. And but I, So I, yeah. I wanted to tie in, though, very much that, that intro scene with the outro scene, right, with the end scene. Because, you know, with what they're setting up in the first scene, you, you feel like, okay, she's at this breaking point. She's going to do what she did before. And she suggests getting married. What's your thought? What are your thoughts on that? I got to know off the bat. Um, You know, my first reaction was it's like a couple that's marriage is failing and they say, let's have a kid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, gosh. And, uh, you know, which is like, of course, the worst thing. But yet there's like a whole generation of kids that were born of that. Um, you're I, right. You're right. I think that is a good element of the delivery of the line. And yeah, yeah, it seemed that way. But I read something and I can't, you know, I did not come up with it, which is someone suggested is this. Did she come up with that? Not because she is trying to overcompensate or find some kind of ultimate stability or dedication from Jimmy to her, you know, like that's the way I can trust you. But is it that her, you know, super responsible mind came up with legally, if they're no. married, they can get away with this. They can't. That is exactly what I thought. That's what I think. Yeah, I think that it's is a what crazy it's going to be. thing, right? What's what a suggestion? Yep, and it shows too the way that she enters into that conversation, really talking about their problems. Finally, you know, and like finally saying what we've been seeing. You know, we're teetering, and you're pulling. It was just a such a brilliant acted and written kind of monologue she delivers, but then at the end. 
she kind of switches back, you know, she can't, yeah. she can't do it. She can't quite cut it. So yeah, no, and she says they're at the breaking point. She, it, it, she does just flip a switch back to it. It seems like, and I mean, I thought she was just going to snap break up with him right after what he did. Period. I couldn't really conceive of her staying with him after he did that. And if they get married, I'm still left wondering what she thinks the reactions are going to be of her peers. I mean, Jimmy just showed himself to, to be a, a terrible lawyer right there. And now it, right afterwards, Kim and Jimmy are getting married. Is this going to be like a public thing? Is Are they keeping it on the down low? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a, that's a, um, another kind of level to it that I hadn't considered is that is it just going to be in case this happens and then this way it also kind of solves the the issue of her having to actually deal with what he did there and what he's done in the past and what he will do, right? That he admits mm-hmm. he can't help himself. Um, or is it really that she is going to go whole hog in and be like you said, be totally public about it and like have some kind of ceremony or something. Is that going to be a part of the show? And that would just be, I don't know. That's just like anarchy. You know what I mean? It's just like totally I no don't point think to so. it. Yeah. yeah. I can't see it going that way. I see it going the utilitarian way. Yeah. She's doing it. Just get, you know, this done. That's, that's it. There's not romance in it. Yet it speaks to how much she really cares about him. She didn't just drop him. She should have. I, I feel like that. I feel like that was what, she, as she said, a breaking point. She said that, and Jimmy could not promise her that it wouldn't happen again. Yeah, you know? definitely. And he can't promise her because he's addicted to it. And not only that, but he has some some criminal uh, associations like Lalo and Nacho and all that that. He can't tell her the truth. Yeah. I I mean, she is just kind of codependent with him, right? And it it goes back to the mom thing, and she needs that. Uh, That makes her, I guess, feel normal. And whatever, whatever reason she has to do it, it's the wrong reason because she should have just said, I'm out of here, (laughs) right? Yeah. yeah. So whatever, whatever scam or whatever she concocts, she's coming up with that as own, her own subterfuge to not denying the reality of their relationship and, and really how terrible it is and how toxic it is for both of them. Because in many ways, she's enabling him too by being this stable thing that he could launch this career off of, you know, and now they continually are coming back and working together and it's invading her life. So it's just, it's not good all the way around. And yeah, this, this episode was really pretty tough though. It did start out kind of fun because we start out with this fun. Yeah. Let's loop around to the fun. (laughs) Yeah. The Mesa Verde, the, we see the old Kev, we see Kevin's dad, Don in this fun old commercial. And then (laughs) Jimmy is making, we don't know what he's making at the time. It turns out to be, you know, a perversion of that commercial to make, you know, to, to, 
we we know that he had originally had very grand plans for yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's what I was trying to figure out. You know, as a filmmaker myself, a longtime cameraman, editor. I mean, I love this kind of stuff, and seeing how he—that's the part of him that you know you're attracted to, and I think that they showed this to kind of buoy what happens with him and Kim and their relationship and her attraction she has to him because the guy is magnetic, you know, and he's having so much fun and he's directing everything. And even he's when, hustling, yeah. he's being Charlie hustle. Yep. And even when the kids say, Hey, this is too much work to do. Uh, you know, there's no way we're going to need two weeks He's thinking on his feet. And that's the fun part. I love when the process of the actual creators of the show, they get to almost speak about it in these scenes. And that is kind of what what they were showing there was almost like their own writer's room. We've got a problem. Hey, you don't get mad at the other person and say, no, no. You say, How do we fix it? You know, and he's like, let's do a green screen. And that's his idea. Excuse me, the Superman thing. <laughs> yeah, it was great. The blue screen. <laughs> I loved it. I thought the whole thing, the the the, sh- and then when they're on the set, you know, uh, in the in the nail parlor, and they're pulled back, and you can see it from the window. They showed that shot a couple of times, like when Kim pulls in. It's just such a beautiful shot. It's like bright lights, big city. There's Saul Goodman, you know, like he's living that life. And you can see Kim coming into that is like so attracted. They keep on doing that this season where someone pulls up. I mean, Breaking Bad always and Better Call Saul shows you a lot of, you know, a lot of shows cut the scene when they're driving a little bit, but they like to do that mood. But there's so many shots like them in the apartment building. And there it is. Like people are on a stage, you know, and I just thought it was it was so much fun. All the characters in there, too. It was great. I loved his instructions, you know, just throw it away, but with feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, I'm sure the actors of the show were particularly loving that that little bit. That was all he said. Does anybody know their lines? I do. Oh, I like a man with confidence. And he's like, what do you say? I acted one week after what what surgery did he have? Some kind of ass surgery? I don't know. But no, and then he, and then he, and then he did, in fact, have his lines in front of him and wanted to look at the cue cards, if you recall. <laughs> and let me tell you, that always happens, right? It's yeah. always – I'll tell you the number of times I've been direct people. I know my line. Then they just freeze up. It gets hard when the camera turns on. Oh, yeah. Um, but Kim does arrive and she wants to back out of everything. Um, you know, that meeting that we- she wants to put in her own money. It's yeah, more than back out. I think her own money. She wants, she's like hoping he'll go for 75 K. And so it could be a lot of her own money. Uh, she's so committed to just trying to make herself feel better. Yep. Really? That's like carrying her instrument back home for three miles, right? She's going to yeah. put her money in and, um, yeah, this was, I mean, I could, you know, we're, I guess this is almost the same. She's probably coming right home from having that, uh, that meeting. Oh no, this is a, a little bit, maybe the day after. So that meeting with Rich, which shook everything. Cause then when we see them in the office, he says yesterday. Um, yeah, yeah. so it is very soon after 
So her immediate reaction to that was to say, Hey, and she says to Jimmy, he's on to us. We, we can't do this. And when they go into back into the salon, I thought initially when I did my first watch, I thought he had convinced her to like, just finish it out. But really they were going back into clean up. Yeah. So she really uh, did think that they didn't finish whatever they were doing. Yeah, yeah, she does. This. She never okay. saw the the final product. She I she clearly was completely, you know, uh sideswiped whatever um by that extreme video. I didn't expect it to be nearly as extreme as that at yeah, all. I mean, yeah. it was demonic in places just so much and you know, Jimmy keeps talking about the play, right? And he, but he he says in the scene that he recognizes that it's hers, not his. Which also why I, part of why it hurts her feelings, why it's such a betrayal later, is that he clearly recognized it and went back on it. Yeah, there is no argument of ignorance right there. No, oh, most definitely, most definitely. And when they, like I said, when they go in. And in watching again, I think it is kind of written in a way where, you know, he because she's like, let me come in and help clean up, you know? And he's like, well, just don't touch the camera. But it kind of feels like maybe I thought in my mind, that's why when, when he pulled that shit at the end, I was even more, I was, I was more surprised. But then I was like, wait, is she in on it? But then I, the fact is, is that she totally, they did go back in and clean up. There wasn't like another conversation, which makes it even worse. Um, yeah. Uh, well, first, and this is the first mention we get of this Olivia Bitsui, uh, woman, right. In this conversation. And then she's mentioned the next time she's mentioned, right. Is when Jimmy is like he's just trolled Howard, which we'll get yes, into. Yep, and he calls uh, her. But and he calls her immediately after that, like you know he's coming right off of one high and going right to the other. Oh, that's and a good. That's when we you know discover that he's going ahead. It's like right ahead of that meeting, so you know you can you just have the sense going into it that this is all going to blow up. You know what Jimmy's going in there doing that Kim doesn't know it was my how I went into it, which was just this sense of deep, deep dread. That is a great pickup because you can see then, wow, you really put the the pieces in place for me. Cause then you're right. It's like up into that point, maybe he had said, okay, we're not going to do it. Maybe I'll have the kids start editing it anyway. You know what I mean? Like a, maybe you already had to pay them, but yeah, that's I, a good not, point. We're not going to do this. And then it was that rush of succeeding, with Howard and it's just like, you know, like that next hit of cocaine or whatever to keep, keep them, keep them up. Even though you know, there's I, like I, a down too. And you know, I didn't even think about it till right now, but his trolling Howard again could even be brought on like a circle mm. by the fact that he couldn't do this, this play. So he's no. like, I'll actually, I'll at least get my, you know, rocks off uh, right here. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Uh, well, before that, we see Kim give Rich the apology, and you know he says you're going to have to walk out with me. And I thought that this scene was just played perfectly because Rich does not say, "Oh, Kim, it's okay." You know, 
he's still pissed off. And I really mm-hmm. like the way they played that. And it keeps that, it kept the tension. This episode was so tense. It kept that tension going because you're still thinking Rich is like a wild card in this. You don't know where he stands or what he's going to do. But then eventually they walk out together. So I figure, you know, he's been through this before with other lawyers and, and whatnot. But that was a great scene. I was glad. I was just glad that he said the exact thing that I was harping on about, which is she did it so publicly. That was one of the worst things. She could have argued with him, just take the few steps into his office. And so he really hammered that point home that it's not, it wasn't that she criticized him, but it was public. And so since it was public, now they need to uh, solve it publicly, basically, and make make it clear about that, which is kind of her, I, I don't know, do you think it's kind of her eating crow? You know, like her having to show that she was wrong? I don't know. Or just that they... Yeah, have... I mean, I, I think so. I, I think yeah, so, it's, but... It's kind of like her having to, you know, not be as proud, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and her relationship with Rich, I've always liked Rich, but he's a he does keep things professional. You know, so whether or not there's some animosity there, but I guess for also for Kim, she really wanted to settle that. And it's funny if you watch while they were walking out, they keep the beautiful shot through the door and then you see them walk and I'm just sitting there waiting. When is someone going to look at them? So they know that. So, you know, and then a guy walks with some papers in his hand and he takes a nice big look at them, you know? So, and then, and then another person looks. So it's like, yes, it, Mm -hmm. it kind of settled it down uh, because that was such a crazy way that Kim acted. Um, And I mean, I think it kind of did me. It would, if I was him, I would be even more suspect of her because of that. Yeah, I know. She was just extra, extra defensive. Yeah. So let's move on to Jimmy at the courthouse. He's gotten two women. They are, in fact, sex workers, which is what we're going to call them. Jimmy calls them hookers, but that's Jimmy. But we'll call them sex workers because that's what they want to be called. Although these particular sex workers are about the, the biggest stereotype, like the biggest stereotype ever. As does, I mean, hey. It reminds me of Wendy in Breaking Bad, right? <laughs> the other. That's you know. what I was going to say is this show, yeah. when it comes to like the meth, you know what I mean? Like they do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, they dial it up. It's yes. not just for them. It's for, yeah, exactly. you know, unsavory things. And that but, also uh, makes Jim, makes him more Saul. You know what I mean? I think that yeah. when they do that, they makes him seem more like Saul. And it's interesting because as they walk down, you know, he's talking and, and they're walking out and he's like, hey, don't, you know, they're offering their services to him. And he's like, you know, hey, listen, maybe stay out of trouble for a little bit. And it seems like he's caring. And then yeah, the ca- it seems like that. <laughs> and then the camera just stays there and he turns and then he gets that idea like you're talking about, which is like. Oh, I can use them for this fix, right? And then he basically goes against everything he just said, right? Don't get in trouble. Don't like draw attention and uses them for this thing with Howard, 
which was just, oh man, I mean, talk about the Kim and Jimmy stuff and the Kim and Rich. This was so painful. Poor Howard. Oh God. Just for even everyone involved, the women too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. They really had to act right there. I I don't know if they would. Yeah, I don't even as. Yeah, I don't know how much you paid him, but that's uh, quite a thing for them to do. But really for Saul, though, right? Yeah. It's so easy for Howard to discover that those are his clients and which he'll put it together the second he sees that. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, I think that's a great point, which is that Howard's got to be on to him now. I mean, I don't think he's on to him. Well, he might be starting to get suspicious, but unless Howard knows that those are his clients, I don't think he'll know for sure. But he might start. He might do a little digging. Yeah, I think he could be suspicious. Yeah, it's getting it's getting a little bit too Saul Jimmy here. You know these things happening to him. Yeah, Um, you know, I also wonder just just bad luck that Howard had a meeting with Clifford Maine right then. (laughs) The thing is, he's he's doing, and it, it seemed like it was like the same thing as when they went to when he offered Jimmy the job. Like he's shaking everyone's hand, you know, and yeah, it was. uh the whole setup was just the judge was there. Every it was really bad, right in front of the windows, and then it it seems like it even escalated so much farther when we cut out to the car and see Jimmy sitting. By that time, like Howard's hands are up and the women are going around, and it's just like what even happened being- after. More of him being haphazard. He's just outside looking with binoculars. What if Howard just storms out suddenly? Because that's what I would have done was just leave already. And then he just could see Jimmy. (laughs) It's just really foolish of him all around. And there's a great Uh, look when he puts those binoculars down. And just before he makes the phone call to the photographer where he just for a second, you know, he's laughing and he's like, ah, ha, ha. and then he just kind of deflates for just a moment or two and looks forward. And there's this, just this pain and just like a void. And it, you could tell he just feels that pit. And then he's right back up, picking up the piece of paper, like you're talking about going to the next hit. Getting that adrenaline. Yeah, I caught that too. Yes, that moment, that beat. Yep, Olivia Bitsui. That's a. Gr- they come up with amazing names on oh, the show. Oh, this is a fun fact that I discovered because I checked the wiki. I was looking for the name of the film crew. It was Joey and the other, you know, drama girl. Her name, you know. <coughs> Anyways, only one of them has like name Joey. But in looking it up, I discovered that Olivia Bitsui is the name of uh, Victor's actor, his 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 daughter. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a little uh, shout out to her. That's nice. I like when they do stuff. That's cool. Um, Yeah. um, So I guess right after that is, and along the line of what you were talking about earlier, is the big meeting. Yeah, I think we hit a bunch of it already, but there's definitely a few things to hit there. One is, I just really appreciate Kevin is so genuinely upset. He is hurt that they, that, you know, that his family, that his father is being, you know, insulted like this. It's very good acting. I mainly want to give a highlight, a shout out to 
to that. Yeah, he was. And I mean, the entire time, everyone is sitting straight backed in their chair. He's got his chair turned. He's leaned over it, right? Yeah, he's just getting spread. lower and yeah. lower, right? The camera focuses more in and in on him as he's just thinking, like just tuning everyone else out at a certain point. Like, what do I need to do? This is terrible. <laughs> I thought when initially when you know they sit down and then jimmy asks for four million dollars and then you see the look on kim's face you know Paige and rich and then kevin is oh here we go you know i thought that he might get up and start swinging or something because that actor he just he has that intensity and you forget in a show like this where people like Nacho, Lalo, Mike, Gus are so quick to violence that on this side, they're not, but there's still that violent inside them, you know, they just don't act on it. And it see, I was just way, I thought Kevin was going to go flying over and the way he was sitting like that in his chair, it like freed him up to do that. And I really, this whole thing, I was just so... The, the 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 when Kim was talking to Rich, and this scene here with everything that's going on in the world, we're all tense and everything. Man, I was like, my heart was just beating through this whole thing. Not only because I was thinking he's going to get Kim fired, I thought Kevin might beat him up, and just also the fucking depravity of it. Right? Like the way that it turns, you're right. Like when he he's no, no, you wait, you wait. And Kim's like, Kevin, do not stay in this room. Do not. And that it's so tense. And then the video starts and he's like, he's a terrorist. Yeah, oh God. He's a terrorist. It was like, that was one of the good ones. They went all out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy's hitting them all these different ways, you know, with, with, Acker, obviously the original one, and then with this Bitsui photo and these attack ads. So, you know, he's really got him in a vice right there. And there's a little bit of short convo in the time when Kevin's really thinking, he's like, what do I do here? And Jimmy's done his, you know, walk out and wait to hear from them a move. There's a bit of a convo where you hear like, Kim and Rich and Paige all quickly like, what can we do? Yeah, yeah. And they're talking about how little things like Mesa Verde is never actually mentioned. It just says my bank. Uh, so it's like they're you know going to be even harder for them to delay uh, these ads being released. They're just coming up with solutions to it and all that. And Kevin's just realizing as they talk about this, they have to solve the issue, let alone get it through courts. And it's yeah. no surprise to me why he just gets up and decides to go talk to him without all the lawyers. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's, that's the part of Kevin, why I thought he might get up and sock him because this is a bank, you know, it's a, you know, I mean, it's stodgy people or whatnot, but he's always had that kind of gunslinger or fa- I mean, look, it's Mesa Verde, right? The cowboy. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it, it didn't surprise me that that's the way it went. And I think that's what Jimmy wanted. I think that he wanted to have an off the books meeting. And in particular, I did want to mention, I love that you mentioned that little quick scene and that kind of called back to me, like 
1930s, 40s movies where like the camera's just swooping in, it's centered, and they're they're on either side talking, yeah. and Kevin's just sitting there silently. But Kim, I was especially thinking, how's Kim reacting? This huge thing just happened to her with Jimmy. And what is she doing? She's right back to business. She's engaging with everyone. She's like, well, we can't do that, Paige. And I just thought that is great acting and writing because so many other shows would have her like distraught what just happened to, in order to show the audience, but that's in character. She had to, she's at work, right? Yeah. She's capable. Yeah. She has and to good at, stand good up. at controlling her emotions. Exactly. You know? Yeah. All of that. Um, oh, but well, no. oh uh, I'm just saying, we should mention that, we had talked all like what they were looking at and it, you know, I mean, for those, everyone saw the episode, but it was ended up being that logo that, and the picture that you had, I think you had mentioned that too. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool touch. Yeah. That that is what we were thinking it would be. My big question is how did they find who the photographer was? I I don't really explain that part. That's a little hole to me. It's like 92, like it's a photo that he had there. Like, I guess Kim, that's what we saw just was her doing research. Just seems like an incredibly hard thing to find. Like a a photo of man on a cowboy on horse. Like, I don't know how she found it, but like we saw that scene where she was looking at screens where she was researching that image. Yeah. Like she, she did find that, I guess maybe like Google image, reverse search wouldn't have even no been it did not exist then it was 2004 so it's not like she could do that anyway she had photos of what it is but i don't know how she could have found olivia bitsui yeah that, you know the, a lot um a lot they're tight in this show but i think as with anything it is a tv show right and when they don't delve into it I mean, I'm sure that yeah. they could come up with something. Yeah, I like to talk it about over. it. But yeah, I, I, you're right yeah, about that. In general, that, I don't like to call anything a plot hole because if you take the time, it's, it can be that the answer is not satisfactory to you or you don't like it. But if you take Agreed. the time to think about it, there's an answer. Like you yeah. can come up with an answer as elaborate as it may be, it can solve it. And on a show right. like this, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there was a, a whole scene cut where. He's on the. He figures it out somehow, and it shows his ingenuity yeah. or Kim's ingenuity. Um, yeah, exactly. It's entirely yeah. possible for you to justify it, for you to say there was some off-screen thing that happened. Yeah. So it's not a plot hole, but I was curious. It would be uh, cool to see it too, though, because it's always great to see both of them in action, you know, and <laughs> how they would figure that out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we did. Like I said, when when Rich originally came into her office and we saw her looking at, you know, this the logo seems like that's what we were seeing was that she was doing her research. Yeah, it was cool the way he held it up and even showed it in the light. That was such a great way. That was such a great visual. And then I to come up with that idea to show the audience, too, and just to. It that really sent it home, you know, when it was that close. And then I think, you know, even Kevin was like, oh, and well, when they do eventually settle up in the parking lot, this was another tense scene. And it reminded me again, I mean, obviously we're getting closer to the Breaking Bad time, 
But so many of the times when Saul was, you know, had his life on the line and breaking ba- that kind of desperation and that the way he was speaking to Kevin too, he was, he was angry at him. He was start, he was like feeling self-righteous, yeah. even the way he tried to explain it to Kim later in the apartment, you know, we, this woman got gypped out of her money that she should have had. This guy's getting pushed out of his house. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. But like she's 92 year old, years old. She deserves the money. <laughs> He's not wrong there, but it's not really his soapbox to get onto. Exactly. Right. You know, it, but it's a scam. It, it is, a, it is righteous. Like to be fair, she, she does deserve you know that she's not gonna have much time to do anything with it but regardless and acker is not in the right exactly it's just kind of a looks poor for pr but acker's not wrong i mean isn't right that's true so he's he's got one out of three of his things he's doing against mace verde are right yeah and in and in essence he wouldn't be doing any of these things if it wasn't for his own ego for kim yeah to get it over on the on the guys who have it all, just like you know, uh, just like Howard, you know, Kevin's another Howard, right? Mm-hmm. White guy in it's the another business, Howard, and, another Chuck, yep. you know, another one of all those. Well, we talked um, a bit already. Did you want to add anything else about the fight and the the proposal at the end? I mean, it was just it was absolutely no. amazing. Yeah, no, I'm, I think we've covered it well. I think we can move on to Nacho. Take a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. And we're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in Cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive and you will be amazed happy, surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has. You might think to yourself, hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into cufflinks, but guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Hey, everybody, I've got an exciting announcement. Our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind-the-scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. So let's help get Solo make this movie, all right? Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also, all the Patreon funds coming to DVR Podcast are going to 
this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. Yeah, no, I'm, I think we've covered it well. I think we can move on to Nacho. Yeah. And then Mike and Lalo. Oh, man. And talk about amazing. This location. Have, oh, go ahead. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's what I was going to say immediately. <laughs> uh, location great. was stunning. Yes. It was great. <laughs> and we get another, just like we got when Lalo was going around in the car and Jimmy and Nacho are against the red car. We get another wide shot, those broken windows and whatever, this abandoned factory and Nacho and just the red car. The whole thing and was- And his weird shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> His weird, like, with a few red little bots, little spots, but it matched the the windows. Actually, I found just like these little. I, I, if you remember, if you remember the shirt, it had like a weird red pocket at the bottom. I do, and, like, I do. You and know, it just kind of reminded me of the windows as well. Yeah, and it made me think of the color theory thing. Yeah, and it about, was just this little patch yep. of it. But no, it's uh. But no, Nacho here, uh, this was the first time, right, since season three that Nacho's seen Mike that they've met? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so they had a whole season four apart. So, I, I And yeah, Gus, uh, remind me, Gus is aware? Was Gus around when they were, when Mike and Nacho were interacting? I don't think that Gus knows about it, no. Okay, because it, it seemed kind of like maybe he didn't. Um, cause like maybe when he, when Mike and was going to Gus, when he told Nacho, hold on, when Gus told Mike that he was going to go meet a new guy, I don't know that he gave him his name or said anything in particular about him. And Nacho obviously didn't know what he was going in to get a new like handler. So I wasn't clear on it. Um, it doesn't seem like something that either of them would need to keep quiet. So I kind of feel like maybe Nacho got briefed. He was shown, this is Ignacio Varga. This is our guy. And then Mike might have been like, oh, I actually know this guy. Blah, 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 blah. Maybe because they, when they are speaking in front of Gus, they don't act, they don't try to pretend like they don't know each other, right? Like, but they don't make it clear that they do. Yeah, exactly. And he kind of references him as. Gus is. Oh, you're the gu- guy I heard about. Because you're the you're the yeah. Michael that Lalo yeah. is talking about. You know the gringo. So he when he's talking about it, it makes it seem like Nacho doesn't want to out Mike in case Mike didn't tell him. Maybe Nacho was kind of. Well, not, we can see why, cool. right? Because Nacho, when when after we get through this this see this um scene which is basically just kind of the reintroduction of mike mike is going to be his handler he has that moment with mike where he becomes very vulnerable and he want and and it is secretive you know i mean look he says you know who this guy is he talks about his dad and he's really Mm -hmm. pleading with mike in a sense for some sort of camaraderie help or, or, you know, like I think he sees Mike as a guy who was on the other side and maybe recognizes that he doesn't want to like be associated with Gus, but Nacho doesn't know what's transpired and who Mike has become. Yeah. I think Nacho can definitely recognize this, this sort of quality in Mike of someone who 
does protect people who, you know, does have certain moral standards. And I think Mike's response to that seems genuine. He has this sort of soft spot for these, I don't know, these uh, broken men kind Mm of. Uh, you know, you think of Jesse and you think of Nacho here. His that son. He just, yeah, exactly. That's the point is that he has his son. He's told Gus about this. Um, like, well, anyways, Gus clearly knows about it. I guess Mike didn't tell him, but Gus knows about it. Um, and Nacho doesn't know about it, but he can certainly maybe surmise that this older gentleman might feel for this young guy who got in above his head. Yeah. And I thought it was great acting Nacho's part because he does become instantly vulnerable. He's like, you don't know who these guys are. Do you know who this guy is? And, you know, when he starts talking about his dad and when he starts talking about his dad and, you know, he's got a gun to my dad's head, I just looked at Mike and I just saw him and Werner and mm-hmm. it was like such a parallel and Mike, but Mike does say to him, let's take care of Lalo. Then we'll take care of your dad. Yeah. And I think that's genuine. That yeah. He's like, well, let's deal with this. And then I've got, you know, my, I, I, I have Gus's ear basically. So I can probably get him to let this kid go, give him lenience. And I'm, I don't think it's going to just go like that, though. Mm. I don't know that Lala, one, will be dealt with this quickly, no. um, this quite this easily. And two, whether Mike can actually convince Gus. But I don't know how upset Gus- Mike would be if Gus wouldn't listen to him either. Well, I mean, Mike could end up being the guy who's got the gun to to Nacho's dad's head, you know? Yeah, he could be. It just the second I can't see it, it as long as Nacho keeps going along with things and they actually get through the Lalo bit. I it's I really don't want to think of Mike being that person just based on, you know, the connection he has with Nacho at this point based on uh, his care about just the basic bonds of family. Yeah. Well, I agree, it's, it was, but it's a different situation. Like with Werner, he very much got himself into like we just haven't seen Mike still. That would be Mike's, you know, further breaking bad moment, I guess. Because Werner was it in a lot of ways, but there's still justification you can make for it. That's true. That's true. He signed on for it. Yeah, he signed on yeah. for it and yeah. then he messed up. Then yeah. he failed, you know, he actively risked everything. That's a If Nacho, for example, signed on for this, even though it was, you know, somewhat unwillingly and stupidly, and he was younger than Werner, all these things, he's not getting as much out of it and has more risk. But say uh that's true um of Nacho, that all of that's true. Yet then he betrays them. He tells Lalo. He does something. I don't think Mike has tr- has as much trouble killing Nacho or you know um, threatening his father. But the father part, I still don't think he'd want to go that far. I'd hope not. I'd hope. I guess not, at that but... point they would just kill Nacho at the point that he's turned all the way. I would think so because what would be the point to? Killing, you know, doing anything to the father. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, have they, enough power in that. That's that only works because of the connection there. But we don't know what happens post Lalo. You know, 
Yeah, exactly. Post-Lalo, it seems like Nacho will continue to have power. I mean, if Gus can just, if it can just get to the point where he can trust Nacho, then that would be great. But I think as soon as he can trust Nacho, Nacho's out of there. Now, I, mean, I, I hope. I hope Nacho. That's that's my prediction for Nacho. Is that Nacho runs? Maybe Nacho runs off with Kim. <laughs> uh, they haven't met yet, so we'll see. They'll have an instant love you know, connection. She could save him, you know. Um, but uh, no, I do. I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I do really think that Nacho will run off. That he's not around. I like to think he's not dead. And I think that the big painting on his wall, the vroom in the car driving off, sig- like symbolizes that Nacho is going to take his car and drive off. I sure hope so. Because I could even go for a Nacho spinoff after this. <laughs> that would be He's fun. so good, that actor. He's done, uh, interestingly, he's... Uh, He's the face and voice for like some video games and stuff like that, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but, that is great. Uh, he's got a very good presence. He's also in the show Orphan Black. He's a very different character. Really? Anyways. Yeah, he's uh, very good in Orphan Black, but he's just, I'm like a doofus, a guy you want to hate. Just, you know. I, I watched the first like two seasons of that show. The first, he, was her, he was her terrible, druggy boyfriend. Oh, man. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that is different. Well, that's acting, right? Yeah, that's acting. (laughs) So, yeah, I I had seen him in that only. So then to see him as this, like, very controlled kind of character that you could just see a lot of intelligence behind his eyes. I don't know. There's You can read so much into Nacho. It was so different from this this, uh, shallow character he was sort of playing Vic in uh, Orphan Black. That's cool. Yeah, it's been a while on that one. But um, we move along to this fantastic Mike doing his cop, detective, scam, con man routine. And it takes a little while to kind of figure out what's going on. Had they been to this library before? I don't know. I th- I thought that there was either Jimmy had went in there or maybe Mike went in. It just looked familiar to me. I don't remember it. See, I couldn't remember it. Okay, uh, yeah, it looked from I don't know, but I loved it again. A, a great location, and he hunts down uh, Lily, the librarian, who was a who went into or was a regular customer at the check cashing place where Lalo tracked down Mike and jumped over the window or whatever and and killed the guy and then i and then he ended up burning it down which we didn't yeah. see no we didn't so i thought that was really interesting that they're giving us like more clues as we're learning about it and we see the case kind of developing on our end as mike is feeding the pieces to the cops on his end and using his knowledge of having been a cop, I thought that this was great casting. Again, the woman who plays Lily, I mean, they even had a little bit about, I send my money, I send money to my parents and, you know, know, if you go back, you see her too. 
Oh, really? If you go back to the episode with Lalo doing that. She's in the back, you know, like trying to get it. She's the one. She like knocks. Oh, know, yeah. On the back oh, window. Wow. Let me in. They're like, no, go this away. This show is amazing. This show is really yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, it was yeah. Not Mike I, is a Mike does a great job there. You know, uh, lulling Lillian into like the sense of security with his very gentle voice. It's the kind of voice that he uses for Kaylee. Yep, and you see the way. I mean, you know. Con man is confidence man. And that's what Mike has, right? Mike is a con man too. He just pushes his way into it. You know, I have the number. Why don't you give him a call? He's there right now. And then he just sits there, hands her the phone, like do it, you know? And then she does it. I couldn't believe Lily just went along with it. It was extremely suspicious. I mean, he was just telling her to call the cops, I guess, but I, I don't know. I, she's, she he sold it good though. It. When he said like the family, you know what they need? They need closure. She seemed so uncomfortable with it though. I, I don't you know. know. She seemed uneasy with this, how things were happening. That's what I made it real suspicious. though. Right. Didn't that make it, it made it feel more real that you yeah, could tell but I was he was still- pushing. I was still a little suspicious that it was a loose end, perhaps, that knowing hmm. that she was a potential witness, that someone would go back to her and she just can break so easily that she would then talk, oh, this this guy, Dave Clark, private investigator, came and made me call them and sat there and did all these things. That's a good which point. Is suspicious. Also, I mentioned Dave Clark. Mike's used that name before in the future in Breaking Bad. <laughs> the Dave Clark Five. Yeah, he's that's one of his names. I like it. Um, but you're right. That's it. That is, and that could come back to haunt him. His methodologies, you know. Um, but he really does cover all of his bases. He even goes into the station. Yeah that that was the real con. Like when he gets that kind of intern young kid. Hey, you. What's that over there? Shouldn't it be just to know that too? To wait by the coffee station to wait for the right person to do it, to be inside the station like that. And the way he was just kind of standing there and he even looked more coppish, you know, he was just drinking the coffee. Uh, This was really brilliant and it's fun. You know, you get to see Jimmy Saul do his thing, Kim do her thing. It's always great to see Mike. Now this season, he's just getting his confidence back here in this episode and to see him come out like this and also the way instead of when when he came back and he's there with Gus and Nacho and he says, you know, and he's kind of and in the last episode, he's like, I'm in a war and I need my people. He's like Mike's general now. Um, I, I felt that they were going to come hard at Lalo and it was going to be some but I should have known better because it's Mike and it's Gus and to actually use the cops to get him. Instead of, you know, shooting them, t- doing whatever, was just, it's it's really amazing. And as a smile I mean, right there, over it's, my face. Yeah, I mean, right there, it's like versus like. I mean, they came yeah. at Gus with the law. You know, Lalo did. True, and true. then and now they're getting back at him. <laughs> it's kind of a tit for tat, right? Uh, using his own weapon against him. So that, that uh, was well suited, I suppose. Though, that's, it's, it'll still... I don't know if it'll stay a, some, a cold war or if it'll escalate by the end of the season much at all. I uh, mean, I don't know. You know, Mike Mike continues it. He he does the – he gets the – he sends that um, 
I guess that case file about the hit and run, which I did remember that when Lalo runs into somebody when he's chasing after him. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, he crashed through someone... the fence and all that. Did you recognize the detective? I rec- Where did we see him before? He was in Breaking Bad. He was in Breaking Bad a couple of times, you know, and they were, I guess, investigating where Walt went and Detective Tim Roberts. He's on homicide, as you could tell by the woman calling, you know, by what he's investigating, the woman calling about the possum and uh, there was something else that he, he was in Breaking Bad a couple of times, but a very small role and they brought him back. Yeah, I guess I should just assume everyone was on there before because they everyone loves to come back onto this show, you know? They don't really have problems. And because they also cast, you know, a lot of character type actors and actresses, they're not they don't really have an issue local people too. It was mm-hmm. I mean, the way he did this was great too. And he's like, Who's this? Officer McFrost? I can't even read this. But he doesn't <laughs> yeah. even care. He's already on the phone, right? He's yes. he's got Mike knows if they if they can close a case they're going to close a case. You yeah, know, it's th- funny Mick is a really good one for him to choose if it looks like Mick something because I'm sure there's a, a good amount of officers there <laughs> at least multiple that start with Mick so you'd be like ah, I have to research this. Oh, what are you making fun of the mix with you got Axel Foley on the podcast? Here? Come on, come on. You know, it's, it's, they're the police. They're the Mickeys. Yeah, that's the Irish. That's true. I have several relatives. Well, a lot of actually a lot of my family were firemen. So. Uh, it's kind of same thing. Firemen, cops, you know, mm. a lot of Irish did that. But um, mm. the scene so the here. episode oh, ends, yeah, yeah, with Lalo. Yep, He's Lalo. just owned, just completely owned. And didn't you think, <laughs> I think that if it was just that one car, he was going to shoot the cop. Yes, 100%. And then the second one comes and he's like, okay. Mm, But there's maybe still like some little thought I thought in his head. And then more and more come. And he's like, fuck, I have to. I have to get out of here. Hopefully, you know, the lawyer will help me. And the first cop, too, when the the first cop that comes out of his car is like a big dude. He's very serious, you know? So it wasn't kind of, you know, they could have played it in different ways, but I kind of knew then he's screwed. Now it makes me think with what you just said, you made me start thinking if Lalo had this whole thing going with, um, and as Gu- as Nacho said, you know, he's feeding all this information now, right? Is mm-hmm. Lalo some – could he somehow try to get out of it by going in that route and, and like implicating himself and other – but he would – no way he would do that. He's just got to do the time if he's going to do it or try to get off or whatever, right? Maybe he's going to yeah, try mean, to think- hire Saul. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. And But then uh- – Obviously, Mike knows Saul. They're involved with him so and Nacho. So I, I imagine this is part of where it's all going to intertwine yep, again. Definitely. And especially when last episode, we saw Jimmy and Kim call Mike, right? So it's a yeah. little foreshadowing of now it's going to be maybe going the other way where, you know, Mike you is picture, like, hey, okay. what are you doing? Because, like, yeah, if you picture that Lalo is arrested, he needs his lawyer. 
He gets his lawyer, Saul. Nacho now knows who his lawyer is, what's happening. He tells Gus and Mike. Exactly. They realize, hey, uh, you know, don't help him very much. But see, the thing is, he he was already pretty doomed with the proof of arson and homicide. I guess it's not just 100% anyways. They have yeah, to find because a way to prove it. What do they really have, right? Like, Yeah, what, what do they really have? The car, the testimony? But they don't even have the car because they have a description they have the of the car. They have the hit and run, I yeah. guess. They, have, it, they could get them for the hit and run, right? Well, they just have a description of the car. They would have to have, okay. right, evidence. They have to, I mean, and, you know, what is it? It's 2004. They do have good evidence, you know, scrape the car or try to, fi- if there's, I don't, at that point, I don't know if there were cameras anywhere. They don't seem to be talking about that. So in that, if all they have is the evidence that has yet been presented, the worst thing that Lalo is guilty of is either one, we don't know that he's legally in the country, right? Yeah. And two, maybe he doesn't own his gun. Exactly. The gun. Yeah. So it yeah. could be that those are the only charges that they can make stick because yeah, yeah, he's probably safe enough, like probably safe enough to not have anything else on him, yeah. right? I, I, he doesn't seem like he's really into his wares. No. I've seen him do drugs. No, I th- there was one point. Didn't he sniff a little at one point or something? I thought I remember oh, that. Oh, maybe he did. One- Actually, that sounds familiar. Yeah. He might have sniffed something, or he might have. Oh, yeah, he did sniff something because he was testing it. Yes, remember he was seeing, but that he also knows it well enough to be able to tell the difference. Right, because 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 Gus was um, cutting it. Yeah, so he can tell the difference. So he does it. So it's possible he has some some uh, stock on him, but I, it seems like he wouldn't be that dumb. No. Uh, but it is possible. It is possible. I guess. I guess we're going to see. And definitely, this. I. 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 I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to bring everyone together, and it puts Jimmy in a position to, you know, spike his own client in order to get into the good graces or be forced to by Mike Nacho Gus, right? So mm-hmm. it kind of enters him more into that world, which we know eventually he ends up in. So it's um, kind of a weird situation because Jimmy, you know, Saul, he's actually has, as as we've seen, had good morals, good ethics when it comes to his clients, to the fact that when someone is his client, he has an obligation to, the, to them, you know? So like with Lalo as his client, he, I feel like... He breaks a lot of rules, a lot of lines, but pretty consistently it has felt like he cares about that. Well, hey, the criminal code, right? Like if he's going to be a criminal lawyer, the criminals have to believe that he's not going to turn tail on them because all these criminals have enemies that are other criminals. Yeah, that's exactly. That's very true. So that it even comes up in that, in that way, not only his own, you know, whatever, little morals he has but he does have that code and he must know that word gets on the street so but then again he's dealing with people that may not give him a choice yeah yeah so i guess we're gonna see but all in all this was just an amazing episode so many great scenes uh we're gonna see what happens with kim and jimmy if they get married maybe they go to vegas you know who knows (laughs) We'll have to see who's going to be the officiant at Jimmy and Kim's wedding. Acker? Cule. 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 
<laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be great. All right, cool. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, no. Just that we're at the back half. Four yep. more episodes. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's coming down to it. I can't even. Man, each week this show is just such a joy. Um, it's it's wonderful. I have no problem rewatching and doing the notes and. It's just, I've been really enjoying doing this with you. So thanks again. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. Thanks everybody for listening. Check us out again. DVRpodcast.com, historyofwesteros.com. And oh, hey, doesn't, isn't Aziz doing a new, uh, we'll give him a little plug. Isn't he covering oh, The yeah. Witcher? He is covering The Witcher. You can find them at the podcast of surprise. Uh, the podcast of surprise on your whatever podcatcher you use. Um, yeah, you can also find them on YouTube. They will be streaming from Azor A Hype. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, going to be a Witcher book club. You know, read through when the show's on. It'll focus a little more on that. But uh, it should be suitable for book readers and show-only watchers alike, and it should encourage people to read the books. Cool. And that show, really, I have to say, first episode, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. You know, I'm not quite sure. By the second, it just gets better and better and better. It was one of my favorite shows of the year. I absolutely loved it. So Yeah, it was great. It was definitely a, you know, it takes a little while, a slower burn, just because they're doing prequel stuff and trying to build up, you know, the backstory of some of these characters before they get to the main, you know, series, the epic series of it all. Yeah, cool. Let's go out and check that out, everybody. And we'll check you out. You check us out next week. We'll be back. Episode seven. Can't wait. Better call Saul, baby. Thanks and peace out.